Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, we've, we've been talking about prayer for a couple of months now, and I, I hope that your, 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 your perspective of prayer has shifted from God will you to God thank you. I mean, if I could boil prayer down to anything, it's no longer will you, it's thank you. And then you become knowledgeable about what you're thanking him for. Everything that he's given you. Knowing that you're qualified. Knowing that it's his blood that washed you and sanctified you. Makes you holy, which, is, which makes you complete. That's, that's all those fancy words of sanctification, holiness, perfection mean. Is that the blood of Jesus washes you makes you clean, and you're finished. You're complete in him. Now we just let that filter out into the rest of our being. So prayer then becomes for other people. You know, I, I brought up, you would have been proud, but I brought up this, this Hebrew perspective of Shemitah. Not Shemitah. There's a book out called something Shemitah that's all about God's so angry. He's getting ready to squash us like bugs. I'm, I'm not buying into all that stuff. But Shemitah, with a K, is what happens when the priest under the Old Covenant, would, you would bring your sacrifice and you would offer your sacrifice to God through the priest. The priest would examine the sacrifice and say, this sacrifice is worthy. It would go through the ritual. The priest would go through the ritual of ceremonially removing your sin and placing it on the sacrifice. In this, Shemitah was supposed to happen which is you identify with this sacrifice. Now think about this in light of Jesus. Jesus did it as well toward us. He identified with us, became our sin. But when the sacrifice would happen, you were supposed to watch it and see it and and mentally put yourself in the position of that sacrifice, knowing and saying to yourself, that should have been me. To the degree that you experience, that is me. Now, on Christ's level, it's eternal. That is me eternally. Christ is that eternal sacrifice that I identify with to the degree that it changes me forever. But with Shemekah, there, there was a transference. There, 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 there was the invitation for you to experience it. Not, emotion, not spiritually eternally, but at least emotionally. And then we know that when the real thing happened, there is a literal transference of spirit. Your old nature comes out, and you receive his new nature. Man, praise God for that. But Shmika is where the phrase laying on of hands came from. So when we pray for people, it's not let me put my hands on you and my magic anointing is going to touch you. No, it's, we're identifying with the sacrifice. What I am doing as the priest is putting my hands on you in a transference between you and the sacrifice, not Amen. what I've got into you. That's good stuff right there. Amen. I am the point of contact. You are the point of contact on this planet, in this earth, to transfer something between the sacrifice and whoever it is you're laying hands on. You have the authority to do that. You have the right to do that, and you have the responsibility to do that. 
That was what the priest was born for. If he was born in that family and he rose to a priest, that's what he did all day, every day. And one time a year for all of them. That's what you do. You, you, you shmika. <laughs> Say that with me. Shmika. All right. There's, you know, and people get caught up in this um, charismatic-y thing. Uh, anything that makes you feel incomplete or anything that puts you focused on man is religion. And that kills. It's not where Rob, you know, hasn't quite been holy enough or traveled as much as I have to get certain people to lay hands on me and I've got more of anointing that I could give to him because I've had this one's mantle and this one's anointing and this one gave me something. I'm not really sure what that was, but I'll, he can have that, you know. What? What are we thinking? That is so carnal. Limiting it from completeness of spirit to individual carnality. Does that make sense to you? Some of you may have never heard. Some of, so, so those of you that haven't heard, there's a doctrine of impartation that, that says that um, I have a particular gift and I can pray and lay hands on you and impart to you my gift. You can stir up a gift that's in someone, but it's in them through Christ. God has anointed you with Christ. Christ is in you. There is no better anointing. There is no higher anointing. There is no other anointing in, under the new covenant other than Christ in you. You are anointed because Christ is in you in fullness, in completeness. And you have every aspect of his spiritual capacities living within you. Do you see that? So when you lay hands on, you're not giving them something that they don't have. If they are a believer, they have it too. You're just making that, helping them make that connection between them and what's already within them. If they're not a believer, they may receive that Spirit of God in that moment. You know, when Paul said, stir up the gift that's in you through the laying on of my hands, if you diagram that sentence, he's not saying the gift is in you because I laid hands on you. He's saying I'm stirring up the gift that's in you by laying hands on you. On. The gift is in you by faith. Everything that you get from God is not from people, it's from him. Amen. What are we thinking? I've got, I got this from this one. Oh, really? No, everything you got from God, you got from God. Everything that he has came from him. It's really pretty simple. But we love the mystical aspect of charismatic Christianity, don't we? We love, the, we love to think that someone knows more because maybe I'll get to know more. Just, just go ahead and just say, I've been stupid and I'm not going to live that. I'm not going to believe that stuff anymore. <laughs> Religion. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> But laying on of hands, it's between that person and God. The spirit of the living God. You get to be present. And there is an aspect of faith. I'm not trying to say that I know everything, because I don't. I just know it's not that stuff. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's Jesus. It's the spirit of God that, that builds within you. So you look at a couple of places. I'm going to look at this. Um, this is challenging. 
because of the conclusions that we have to come to. If you'll go to Matthew 17, and I'll be in the King James, Nathan. But Matthew 17 is this really incredible story that we see, and uh, I'll read it. But just so you know, and you don't have to flip there, but look at Matthew 17. I'll read these other parts to you. Actually, I'll read that afterward. It'll make more sense afterward. You ready? Matthew 17, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. <laughs> have you ever thought that? <laughs> Jesus, we can do something about this kid. He's a lunatic. <laughs> and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation. Wow. So faithless means unbelieving, and perverse means to distort, to turn aside, or off the path. Further down in kind of more obscure references, it does mean evil and dark, but that's not the application here. He's just talking about you unbelieving people that are on the wrong path. So there is a bit of a frustration. He says, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Now, I, that's a whole kind of teaching. I'm just going to have to skip over that a little bit. But it's not like he was angry and saying, you bunch of losers, I can't stand being with you. He was, he was so identified with them that he was feeling what they were going through. Remember, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. So everything that we went through, he went through on some level. And I think he was just ready to, be, to move on and, and all of us be at the level of experiencing God's fullness. Does that make sense? So bring him to me, he says. Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples, now these next few verses, this may tweak you a little bit. And I mean, like, maybe not in a good way, depending on, you know, what you believe, what you've been taught. Uh, so, verse 19, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast them out? And Jesus said to them, very clear, look at it, what does it say? Why did Jesus tell them they couldn't do it? Because of your unbelief. Did he, all right, let me just keep reading. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, over yonder. I thought our living room when I was growing up was yonder. Only yonder. <laughs> yeah, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And I, I, Go ahead to the next one. I want to encourage you, when you read the Bible, and you come across something like that, and nothing shall be impossible to you, just sit and think about that for a few minutes. So he says, how be it this kind goes out not by prayer, goes out but by prayer and fasting. All right, here we go. Why did he say they couldn't do it? Unbelief. All right. Verse 21, Matthew 17, 21, where it says, this kind goes out but by prayer and fasting. Number one, that verse isn't even in some of the original manuscripts that we have. The oldest documents that we have that we took and translated to have our modern-day Bibles do not have this phrase in there. This kind comes out by, by prayer and fasting. 
Some translations say this kind only comes out by prayer. So there's a discrepancy. I'm not saying that the Bible is not inerrant because we have exactly what God sovereignly designed to have. I believe that. I fully believe that the Bible is exactly what God wanted us to have. But translations get muddied. You see that, right? This is not the original language. You'd have to go back to the Greek in different documents to get the full piece of, of what he's really saying. So number one, there's question if that should even be in there. Number two, why did he say they couldn't do it? Unbelief. Because of their unbelief, yes. Have you ever been taught that he's talking about in verse 21, this kind of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting? How many of you have been taught that? Okay, so maybe half. Again, if that is in there and you diagram the subject and the, and the, and the verbs and everything that's going on, what he's actually talking about is this kind of unbelief comes out by prayer. Wow. So let's look at it a little bit deeper. Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Because of your unbelief. Did he say you don't have enough anointing? Did he say your anointing is not strong enough to cast out that type of demon? You'd think he would if that's what he meant, right? I mean, wouldn't he be clear? He was, remember, this is a moment, this is an intimate moment with his disciples when he taught clearly. Uh, with the groups of people, he would teach in parables when he was with them, direct and clear. He answered their questions. Other places, he would ask them questions, but here he's answering a direct question. I mean, we've got to get the full scope of what he's saying here because this is a big one, especially in light of the charismatic mumbo-jumbo that we like to jump into that's running rampant on the planet. Prayer drives out unbelief. Fasting drives out unbelief. If you have the anointing of Christ dwelling within you, do you need to do something in your flesh no. to get more power over more demons? No. It just doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, I don't want to boil this down to logic, but I think the text supports this logic. Do you? You don't, you know, I mean, I'm, you can be nice and say yes, but that's fine. You do it for a living, yeah. <laughs> So the conclusion is not you need to do something in your flesh to become stronger over higher classes of demons. Let me show you this. Matthew 10, verse 1. This is going to be in the NIV. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. This is a declaration that Jesus did. He gave them power this is, this is just a couple of chapters before they encounter this. Uh, Mark 6 is a telling of the same story here. So you see it in Matthew 17, Mark 6. Mark 6 gives a little bit more insight as to what happened after he gave them power. It says they went out, Mark 6, 12 and 13, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people oil and healed them. So you've got the picture that before they have this experience with the boy that they can't cast the demon out of and heal, Jesus has given them power to cast demons out and heal. Hello, do you identify with that? <laughs> I've been given this power. Why ain't it working, Lord? Amen. Yep. Your unbelief. 
Unbelief affects the heart. Remember, belief is a capacity of the heart. It's what the heart man believes unto righteousness. So we know it's not an anointing issue. It's a heart issue. It's a belief issue. At that moment, the, it's like your heart, where you live from, the deepest part of who you are, and still be somewhat physical or soulish and not spiritual. Your, your heart is probably part spirit and part soul. I don't know how to define all that stuff, but when you really look at what the heart is, it's the place that chooses what it's going to allow from God into our lives. That, you do that in your heart. I think we're constantly in this state of binding and loosing the law and the word of God. And binding and loosing means allowing or disallowing. It doesn't mean I'm going to tie up the devil and throw him into the ocean. It means am I going to allow this spirit to continue its havoc Am I going to allow this disease? And so on a heart level, we've been given the keys to the kingdom to bind and loose, allow or disallow. You do it on an other than conscious level because it's the deepest part where you believe from. And it's not something that you work for. But what you do and what you focus on in this dimension does affect what you believe is possible. See, a lot of us are willing to cast out devils. A lot of us are willing to lay hands on people. But, mm, you know, Clint Taylor, you guys know the Taylor family. He's pretty open. Um, so I don't think he would mind sharing. There's forgiveness. He was telling me, <laughs> you guys know they've got Jackson, right? Jackson's three years old, has Menke's disease, totally incapacitated. And, 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 you know, don't we all want that boy healed? Yes. <clears throat> he said, no, this is not, this, I think it's just the focus. I honestly not saying this because of my teaching, but he said, uh, he said, last week I learned more about healing in 45 minutes than I have in 12 years. Because of the idea that maybe you actually have something to do with it. Now that's hard. I, I realize that's difficult. Are you telling me I don't have enough faith? Are you telling me I hadn't been good at what? No. If your mind goes to plugging in things from the flesh that you think I'm saying, then either I'm saying it wrong or you're hearing it wrong. It's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. And it's a biblical issue. I mean, think about it. This is the scenario. They can't do it. They come to Jesus and say, why can't we do it? He says, your unbelief. I don't want to hear that, Jesus. God's in control, remember? It's his fault. Uh-oh. I think I heard a cow. Just burn that sucker. Think about it. Did he not tell them their unbelief was the reason they couldn't do the miracle? What are you going to do with that? I mean, really, what are you going to do with that? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Get that unbelief out. Yeah. You know, and you can't do this if you have any sense of thinking that you earn it or that you lack. See, because you don't lack in this moment. It's not because of the way that you've lived on this earth that you're not power, as powerful as you should be. Or lots of ways we could say 
that the things that you think you've got to do to get closer, get more holy, be more sanctified, be more anointed, you can't get more anointed. Being filled with the Spirit, that terminology, the word filled, filled, means under the influence. You've been given the Spirit of God, but are you under His influence? See, we have trouble taking this kind of responsibility because of all the stuff that we've been through. I mean, I get it. I see it. I can see it on your faces. I can see it. We start judging ourselves. We start judging God. You might want to throw some stones at me. I mean, really, honestly, we, where do we go with it? I'm just gonna, I just want to kind of let that one sit for a minute. I mean, that's what he said. Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Your unbelief. Now, I'm going to take my teacher hat off and just pretend we're around the coffee table for a minute because a question that I would have would be, okay, well, Jesus, you were in a scenario where you could only heal a few sick people. Everybody's wondering what I'm saying next. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. That's a question that I have, you know? So I'm just not, I'm just not sure of all those details, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, what I'm just, when he was in his hometown? He was in his hometown. He said uh, there was a lot of people that he, that he couldn't heal because they did not respect who he was or they didn't respect, you know, there's a lack of respect there, but he could lay hands and heal a few sick people. Would he say that to himself, that he was in unbelief, or maybe to them it was their unbelief that couldn't receive from him? I mean, if I were to take a guess, it's probably that. Their unbelief couldn't receive from him. So maybe this is something that has to do with an age thing. Again, I'm just thinking out loud for a minute here. Y'all okay with me doing that? This is not teaching moment. I'm just thinking. <laughs> maybe it's an age thing because it's a kid, and maybe it's a kid that can't think for themselves, or they're too young to, to know to express faith in God. You know, it's like, it's like the other times where people would bring people to, it's like the guy, is it Jay Iris, stopped Jesus and said, hey, my daughter's at home, sick, and they came and tell him, your daughter's dead, just leave Jesus alone. He's like, no, she's alive. That daughter didn't come to Jesus, the father did. Paul, there were some people up on the roof that had a friend that was sick. They took the roof off, dropped the guy down, and he said, your faith. Look at the faith of your friends. Jesus many times would say, your faith has made you whole. Did you have something? Can I read something? Yeah. Uh, in, in Mark 6, it talks about, and they went out and preached that man should repent. And it says, and they cast out many yeah. devils. After he gave them the power. Not all, many mm. devils. Yeah. And anointed with all many that were sick and were healed. Yeah. And you look at the testimony of Jesus', Jesus ministry, and it's like, and they were all healed, you know. So, there is the issue of idealism where I'm not saying that you're going to jump into some position where you cast out everything. You see miracles all the time, and if you would just believe right, you'd get this stuff right. You know, that, that's not the tone of which I'm wanting to bring this stuff out. And, and it's not a blame either. So, don't sit here and think, oh, it's my fault that this hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Teresa June was talking about. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, he yeah. creative miracles just while you're preaching. I mean, right. 
Yeah, I mean, there's all types of factors and dynamics that we could talk about. And, and, and those are good conversations and thoughts. And, I, you know, I love to talk about that kind of stuff. But I just want to keep it on the plane of this is the potential. This is the possibility. Everything is possible that you're willing to believe or that you believe, not just being willing to believe. Do you see that? Man, this is a big one. So, so the question exists. What are you going to do to stay in belief toward God? Because if that's the factor, if that's the factor, that's what we need to be looking at. Did you have an answer? Or? I think I do. Oh, okay. Based on what you're saying and what I think the Spirit's saying is, okay, prayer and fasting. Prayer, thanking God for what he's already done. That's a plethora of stuff to thank him for. Mm. Fast from wrong thinking. Fast from wrong thinking. Amen. Fast from wrong thinking. So just on the fasting thing. Fasting doesn't make you more holy. It doesn't make you more spiritual. It quiets the body down so that you have this voice of the flesh that's quieter and you become more tuned to the spirit. You have less, you have less energy being exerted to digest and all the stuff that's going on and you have more physical energy to direct toward the spiritual influence that's happening within you. All fasting does is quiet down your flesh so that you can better hear the Spirit of God. Now, for me, fasting sometimes makes the flesh louder. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like if you're fasting and all you think is, man, I tell you what, on Tuesday I'm getting a cheeseburger. Just, just don't do it. Amen. You know, just don't do it. But if you feel called to fast, and there is that moment, there is that grace that rises up within you to connect, and, 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 and it's, it's something that's happening. There, there, you, there's a supernatural power that you're able to stay, stay within, then ride it out. But if it becomes carnal, just stop. Find something else for you. And fasting is not just food. You know, wrong thinking. Fast from devices, fast from the internet, fast from TV, fast from the news, please. Amen. <clears throat> now, after Jesus fed the 5,000 men, it says, uh, he then, like I said in the first story, he goes up on the mountain to pray. He tells the boys, you go on over to Bethsaida. I'll meet you over there. And in the middle of the night, he's walking all along the water. Actually, it's just before dawn, he decides to go. It says he sees them struggling, and then he walks on the water, and it's like he's just going to walk past them. You know, Jesus didn't force himself into the boat. I mean, I, I don't want to just try and make up a doctrine or point on that, but it's interesting. He didn't jump into the boat. He didn't run down there to the rescue. Hey, guys, let's chill out. You know, it was like, I don't know that he even thought on that level. He just was like going about, he's like, they're struggling. I'm going. <laughs> this is where I'm going. And then it's like, they called out to, and then he, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to paint a picture that's not real, but they had to call out to him, and then he got in the boat. So he gets in the boat, it's calm, they go ahead, and it says, look at what it says here in Mark 6, 52, where it accounts for that. The result of them doing that, uh, it says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. I mean, think about this. Imagine yourself in the crowd, right? You're on a mountain. 
Jesus takes two pieces of, what would that even look like? Can you imagine? You know, it's like break the fish and it's whole, or you break the fish and then, I don't even, what would that even look like? You know, would our eyes even really grasp what was happening or would it just be, you know, so amazing how something like that could happen and keep happening? I mean, how long do you think it took? How long do you think it would take to feed five, you know, maybe 20,000 people? Because they kept records based on males. I mean, how long did it take? How long? And it says he multiplied. So Jesus, for however long it took, is sitting there breaking this fish, breaking this bread. Two hours? Three hours? Maybe. Maybe ten minutes. I don't know. Still, though, either way. So after that, they're watching. They're they're. They picked up the baskets afterward. They're like, you got two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread. And then they're picking up baskets full of stuff, walking around with it. And the reason that they were afraid in the boat was because they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves. In the moment that they were experiencing provision, in the moment that they were experiencing the manifest power of God, what were they thinking about? Obviously something else because they didn't consider what was happening. We do that. Think about the last time God provided for you. And you know it. Is that affecting how you believe toward the future today? You know, this, this church, as an example, and even personally, it just in the area of finances, uh, we've, it's almost seven and a half years, and we've always been fine financially, but there have been times where it's tight and you're like, ooh, maybe we should make some changes and adjustments. And then, and then it just passes and it's fine. And so now we, as the staff, we're like, if anything tight happens, we're just like, it doesn't do any good to worry. We've never had reason to worry in the past because every seven and a half years, that's a pretty good track record. Not once, not being able to pay a bill, not once having to, Manipulate and twist people for money. You know, not once any of that stuff that comes along with church and money. And it's like an opportunity that comes up to worry. I'm just not going to do it anymore because it just, it's pointless. And personally. And, and, and I'm trying to translate that lesson into physical healing as well. So where I go to in my mind a lot is God, God crafted your body in such a way that it heals. Like right now, there are antibodies released in your blood going through, pulling out pathogens and carcinogens, stopping you from having cancer in this moment. You don't even have to think about it. It's just happening because God designed you to be that way. You become indwelt by the Spirit of God, then you have life, his spiritual life within you that influences and teaches those natural functions how to function. And then they are, they're even better and stronger. So healing is not supernatural. It's natural. Healing is natural. Isn't it? Your bot, uh, scientists, I don't even remember the statistics on this, but scientists, that sounds real formal, right? Scientists say... <laughs> scientists, uh, they don't even know why we die physically. 
Because your, the, the cells in your body, some of your organs, regenerate every seven to 30 days. Your entire body, every cell in it regenerates. How long? I think it's quicker than seven years. But every single cell in your body regenerates. And if there's disease or sickness, it regenerates and it replicates itself to match the diseased cell. Why? You'd think it would replicate to be a new cell, right? You'd think a new cell is going to be new. It's fresh. It's clean. It's pure. But it replicates itself to mimic the one that it's replacing because cellular memory gets stored in there. And that, there's a group called HeartMath and a lot of people that are studying brain neuroplasticity and, 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 the, and the conditions of your emotions and your beliefs on your physical state of existence are saying that your beliefs affect yes, what gets reproduced. I mean, if your liver replaces itself every month, why in the world would it still continue to be damaged from all that alcohol you drank in college? I mean, think about it. Really? Seriously? Why is it not new? Well, it can be. So that's where the influence of the Spirit of God comes in. You yield to that, and maybe the next time those cells begin to replicate, they're new. They, they do what they were supposed to do to begin with. Your body was not supposed to create and then replicate diseased cells. Mm -hmm. It's what you believe. So maybe you can't cast out that devil because of your unbelief is less mystical than we've made it out to be. It's just something that our heart is just not connected with in that area. But it can be. It can be by grace through faith, softening our hearts toward God, knowing who you are in him, knowing that he is in you. All this stuff that we talk about in here all the time is crafted, I think, to just soften our hearts, to just put us in a place where we'll actually trust God and not limit him. And so much good. There is probably 99% of the things that are happening in your life and in your body that are good and the 1% that are bad. And what are we looking at? <laughs> you know, imagine that, the, that our heart has eyes. What is it looking at? Is it looking at those things that are above? Now that we have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places, think on the things that are above. Think on what's good, lovely, or good report, pure, lovely. Think on these things. Why? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. So above all else, guard your heart. You know, we don't need to figure out how to get this stuff to work. We just need to make sure that our faith and our belief is set in the right direction so that we're in harmony with what he naturally wants to do in our lives and even in our bodies. Because he's good. Because he's the potter. I think that's the image he wants to leave us with today. He's the potter. He's the builder. He is the one that crafts and shapes. Not with physical carnal materials, but spiritual materials. In the midst of physical and carnal pain and suffering. He's building spiritual truth. Using what he has. Those are the resources. When God looks around and says, what can I do to build something into their heart today? It's nothing but good stuff. He has good plans for you. So we just want to let him. So in this thing about praying, because I feel like there is this call to the body, probably the entire body of Christ. Now, I'm not one that thinks we need to beg for a sweeping revival to come and everybody starts prophesying and giving words and running out and trying to get people healed. You follow God on this. By the way, 
when you're out in public and you want to pray for somebody, don't be lulled into thinking you've got to get a prophecy for them to do it because there's kind of a movement that says that. If you get a word, you get a word. If you don't, you don't. It's fine. It's okay to walk up to somebody and say, hey, can I pray for you? Most people, yeah, please. I've been waiting. I've been, I've been asking God to send somebody to my house to pray for me. I mean, Janice ran into somebody at the store that that opportunity happened, so we got to go pray. You are not giving them something that they don't have. You are connecting them with the sacrifice of Jesus. You are bringing people to a place where faith is present, and it raises every possibility up to the realm of everything is possible, and then we start connecting them to what God has for them in those moments. So when you lay hands on the sick, you are not trying to make something happen. You are trying to connect with what Jesus has provided in his sacrifice. In his sacrifice, he has provided healing. He has provided wholeness, health. Everything that he has is for you in that moment. So laying on of hands is presiding over a moment where these people experience their God and their king and their sacrifice. That's what I want to do. You know, I, the, and, and there is that element of faith that we make sure that we are in faith and we're walking in love toward these people. I mean, I, I think if we, if we can minister the gift of healing and administer the kingdom from the perspective of making it about Jesus, I think we'll see better results. <laughs> but it's not about the results. It's about you expressing your love and the love of God to these people. Don't, don't limit what God wants to do through you. Amen? Amen? Don't let us stop you, limit you. Don't let yourselves. We're all in it together. We just keep moving forward.